This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox, and in just a few moments, Josh Krennis, president and CEO of Alteris Insurance, will join us for a good chat about insurance issues in our lives, and we'll take a look at some options you perhaps haven't considered before. But first, here are some more of the top consumer stories we're following this week. For the next four months, TransLink will be asking those who live and work in Metro Vancouver for our ideas on how the region's transportation systems should be developed over the next 30 years. Yeah, it's a long horizon thing we're looking at today. It'll be the largest public engagement in our transit authority's history. The uh, CEO, Kevin Desmond, says we want to hear from people across the region of all ages and backgrounds, regardless of how you get around, drivers, pedestrians, cyclists, transit users. With Metro Vancouver experiencing rapid growth, the impacts of climate change, new technologies, and shifting demographics over the next 30 years, we want input from the broadest cross-section of people possible. The 30-year strategy, it's called Transport 2050, will lay out the region's transportation vision, strategies, and priorities. You just go to the transportation Transport 2050 website and you take the survey. I took it yesterday. It took less than five minutes. If you decide to jump in, you'll be asked to share your top transportation concerns, ideas on the future of transportation, and issues you feel the region is facing. You'll also be asked to share opinions on new modes of transportation like automated and electric vehicles. Find out lots more at the new Transport 2050 website. The Patello Bridge replacement has cleared another hurdle that keeps it on track to start construction later this year. BC's Environment and Municipal Affairs Ministries awarded the Transportation Ministry an Environmental Assessment Certificate for the big Patello Bridge project worth $1.4 billion on Thursday after getting the green light from the Environmental Assessment Office. Construction is expected to start this summer with the replacement opening by 2023 to the roughly 68,000 vehicles that use the Patello every day. The new four-lane bridge is planned to be constructed 100 meters upstream from the current one. It'll parallel with the existing crossing that connects Surrey to New West and which has stood for more than 80 years. The province has yet to choose a contractor for the replacement, but has narrowed the selection down to three project teams, among which is SNC-Lavalin, the company largely responsible for our region's SkyTrain infrastructure. We'll let you know who wins this one. As we get ready for another summer travel season, the folks at Consumer Reports have put together a list of myths surrounding booking flights. And here are the biggest. Myth. Tuesday is the best day to book a flight. Wrong. It may have been once that way, but airlines rely more these days on flash sales to promote business, and they can pop up anytime. Myth. A round-trip ticket is a better deal than two one-way tickets. Wrong. Online travel sites have dramatically changed the way we book, especially with hacker fares. We should all be paying more attention to these. Myth. It's always better to book a ticket as far in advance as possible. Wrong or not necessarily, even though airlines post flights well over six months in advance, they don't actually start to manage them until about three months before takeoff, and industry experts say you'll likely pay more if you book ahead of that. Finally, myth, lower fare airlines will always beat the major airlines on price. 
wrong. The lines between the old division of cut-rate airlines versus regular scheduled carriers have become quite blurred over recent years with new prices like basic economy to the point where smart shoppers are always on the lookout for a good deal and the source can vary from day to day. Consumer Reports recommends you be ready to shop around and do plenty of it online before committing to booking your flight. Those are a few more of the week's top consumer stories. We'll look at even more later in the hour. But coming right up is Josh Krennis, president and CEO of Alteri Insurance, here to answer your questions about insurance and to suggest a few options maybe you haven't even thought about. Coming right up, and we'll take your calls too, right here on Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And welcome back to the program for a Saturday afternoon. A nice mild one, too, in Metro Vancouver. Playland opens. Hastings Park is open. There's a lot of activity around our town today. I'm Sterling Fox, joined in studio by the president and CEO of Alteris Insurance. A pleasure to welcome Josh Krennis to Vancouver Consumer. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you with us. Tell us about Alteri Insurance. Alteri Insurance. Uh, First of all, what's the name? Where, where did that come yeah, from? Yeah, Alteri, uh, it's Latin for altruism. So we uh, we wanted to identify with what insurance is all about, and that's uh, what we came up with. Okay. How long has the company been operating, Josh? Been operating. It technically fired up in the latter half of 2016, but I'd say 2017 it was uh, officially incorporated. So we're still young. Okay. And you, you have offices in downtown Vancouver, roughly Hastings and Burrard area, right? Exactly. Yeah, Hastings and Hornby. So okay. we're right there. Okay. Now talk to us, because I'm looking at the website, which is, by the way, alteri.ca, friends. And you go, you, I mean, it goes all home, auto, business, specialty, life insurance. Insurance, yeah. health insurance. You really do cover the full spectrum of insurance products. Yeah, we do. But out of all of that, Josh, where do you do your most work? What's what's the busiest aspect of what you have? Uh, the busiest aspect, I say, would fall in two categories. It would be uh, you know commercial liability for businesses, and okay. secondly, it would be tenant products for uh, individuals. Really? Yeah. So I mean, more- when you're you know when you're when you're on the fifth floor of a building like that, you have to. You have to be a little bit more creative than the ground floor ICBC shops, for sure. Okay, but I, I'm I'm surprised. I suppose that uh, the tenants' activity is is way up there on your list. Tenants' insurance business is brisk because I'm under the impression um, a lot of a lot of people who rent don't have tenants' insurance. What's your experience tell you about that? Uh, I would say you're probably pretty close to to correct on that. From what we've seen. Obviously, more people in Vancouver are renting for affordability reasons. Sure. Um, but what's actually come into play now is developers are starting to mandate that tenants insurance uh, is in place when they move in if it's uh, a rental apartment buildings. Um, now, is that a bank thing from the developer's point of view? Um, you know, it very well could be, okay. but it's. I would. I would say it leans more on a liability front. If if it's uh, you know a property management company taking control of renting out the building, then they need to be uh, make sure that they're on that policy for liability purposes. But if sure. you're living in one of these spiffy new condos, and now they're even dangling incentives, which is something we have not <laughs> seen true, in this yeah. town for a long time. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of refreshing, actually. Yeah, it reminds us of days when you know housing was kind of affordable. Uh, kind of. I stress yeah, kind, kind of. of yeah. But in, in terms of tenants, tell us why so many people seem to think that because I rent, I don't need insurance. It's not my building. It's not my house. If it burns down, whoever owns the building is going to get the money for the insurance. Right. Why do I need insurance? Right. I mean, I, it's, I think um, that, you know, I don't want to generalize, but I think that renters uh, – 
if it's not an affordability issue and they choose to rent, it is uh, something that they just don't really want the risk of having a, a property, even though maybe they can't afford it. Sometimes right. they just, they, you know, they're not interested in actually taking that risk on. And they just have a different financial strategy. Fair enough. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, I think also in addition to that, uh, they're just not educated on it. I oh, think okay. a lot of people don't know that tenant insurance is actually a thing and, and the benefits of actually having it. Okay. So let's talk about it in, in a couple of stages because I think this is really important information. We're sure. right in the spring of 2019. Spring is an incredibly active time of year. A lot of us change postal codes in the spring <laughs> every year. Yeah. So as we move to a new place and we can, we've been looking for a place like this for years, finally we can hang our hats and stick around for a while. <laughs> in, uh, let's, so let's talk about insurance and why I, as a renter, might need it. First of all, it's pretty darn affordable, isn't it? Uh, very, very affordable. I mean, we're talking in the, you know, $20 a month kind of category. Right. Very, very affordable, yeah. Okay, so on an annual basis, if you didn't want to have that money leaking out of your bank account at 20 or 25 bucks, it'd set you <laughs> back maybe three, three fifty a year and you're done, one, one check. Yeah, on the high end for sure. Okay, so then that covers what? Because the building, if you're renting a home, for example, a private home, mm-hmm. the homeowner has fire insurance and flood and all that kind for of sure. stuff. Absolutely. So what does your tenant's insurance cover for you? Right. So there, that's a really good question. Um, a lot of people that come to us looking for tenants insurance will often just say they need contents insurance right. because they have a lot of expensive things in their home in Vancouver because, you know, we, we obviously live well in Vancouver. And, you and want we to like cover our all toys. Exactly. So you want that content insurance. But uh, the fact of the matter is that it covers quite a bit. So you're covering obviously the contents at the limit that you want, and then you're covering something called additional living expenses. So what that is, is if you are forced out of your rental because it's no longer inhabitable, call it a flood, a fire, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. something goes wrong with the place and you have to move, that additional expense for you to move and find a place and, and, you know, most likely hire a professional to actually get it done, um, that's all covered while while you're moving any additional expense. Interesting. Um, Up to, for example, suppose you're forced out of your apartment because of a fire and it's going to take, you're going to need six weeks. Exactly. In a hotel somewhere yeah. until you're going to be allowed to move back in. Does yeah. your tenant's insurance pay the whole shot for the six weeks? It will, yeah, up to How an about amount. That? So usually, if you let's say you have fifty thousand in contents, it'll probably cover about ten, ten thousand. It's usually twenty percent. Okay, yeah. So that that's an advantage that perhaps people don't understand. Absolutely, and that's a big one. Sure, uh, it is. Because when you're a renter, you need to look out for yourself uh, because you're not obviously you're not the owner, and the owner has different incentives than the renter does. Right. And so you know we're always happy to see renters taking uh, taking out tenants insurance when they don't really need to show proof of insurance because it it shows they're taking uh, control of their situation. Okay, but it's interesting now that you say that, and this is good information too because there. I mean, you you can't go anywhere in any direction. From downtown Vancouver, and not see a forest of cranes. The building that is going on in our <laughs> yeah. in Metro Vancouver these days, Josh, is just stunning. It is. Yeah. And if you're moving into to one of these spiffy new condos or subletting or whatever, yep. um, especially into a rental from the get go situation, it's now quite likely that the, you're going to have to you're going to be required to have proof of tenants insurance just to move in. One hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Very, very high. Very high for sure. And what about if you take a uh, and move into a private home? 
someone right. is just renting out the house because uh, they that's their strategy. Right. Uh, and and so they'll have homeowners insurance on this private residence. Right. Uh, what about you needing tenants insurance in that circumstance? Same deal. Yeah. Yeah. And also a really good question because that that leads me to one of the other line items on the policies that's very important, which is liability. Okay. I mean, when you move into somewhere like a home, especially. Uh, and you have more space and more area that you're in control of. Um, liability is protecting you from uh, injury to other people and property damage. So, um, I mean, I don't know what what the listeners uh, like to do in their social gatherings, but if you have a group of 10 people over um, and someone hurts themselves in the actual home, then you're actually liable for that, not the owner. So, uh, they even though f- it's not your property in, in terms of title, exactly. you're the occupant. Exactly. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, exactly. So uh, from a liability standpoint, uh, you know, you're, you're on title for that lawsuit. So that's something that you want to take that box as well, regardless whether it's a condo or a home. Interesting stuff. Now, um, in terms of homeowner insurance, because this sets up moving from renters sure. to column, is there anything else, though, before we move away from the renters and tenants insurance to move to homeowners? On, and, and what else have we overlooked in terms of features um, that people should know about in terms of renting and being and having a tenants insurance policy? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you are renting someone else's place. Someone owns where you're living. Right. So um, I, I would say negligence is, is, I mean, we're all human. So you want to make sure that, that you're protected in that regard, regardless of contents or additional living, you want to make sure your liability is ticked off. So that would be my main point. Okay. Um, so let's move to homeowner's insurance because we've set it up nicely. Uh, it, 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 it's it's different where your your experience tells you as you've shared with us that quite a limited number of renters a small number percentage wise yep. of renters actually have tenants insurance yeah it's the flip when it comes to homeowners, isn't it? You, oh, yeah. If you sure. have a mortgage with a legitimate lender, yeah. uh, you're going to have to show proof of insurance before they're going to advance you any capital to buy that home, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely they will. They'll mandate that you have to have certain coverages in place even within that policy. So they'll uh, the, the requirements get steeper and steeper. And if you're a condo owner, then the flip is on the strata company. So the strata corporation will mandate that you have certain deductibles and certain limits and that they're listed on the policy. Um, so, you know, that, ah, that so if you're tricky. condo shopping right now, looking at all of those cranes and getting excited <laughs> about moving into a spiffy new building, <laughs> yeah. then it's possible that the condo uh, board yeah. uh, is going to have a separate set of... You could go to three different buildings and see three different sets of requirements for the type of insurance you're going to need if you move into this building. Oh, absolutely. Because, I mean, the condo owner, that policy gets... Um, you know, if something's wrong with the strata policy, the corporation's policy, and it, it defaults for some reason, mm-hmm. that amount of money is spread amongst the owners. Uh, so if you don't have a condo insurance policy, uh, then you're hooped. But if you do, uh, you're taken care of because that's actually paid for through the policy if, if the strata policy doesn't cover it. Is there any type of condo insurance policy, Josh, that covers these um, unexpected uh, expenses like, oh, the building needs a new roof uh, and everybody, <laughs> every resident's going to pony up 22000 bucks. Right. Is any of that covered by any insurance or is that just an extra cost assumed by the uh, the risk of being that uh, an owner in that condo building? No, absolutely. There's something called a loss assessment levy. So 
uh, it's a line item inside the policy also, and it usually covers up to 25000 Oh, okay. So, uh, and that's a pretty common number. In the 20s yeah. per unit is a pretty common number for one of these special levies, Very isn't much it? so, absolutely. Yeah, so if, if that comes up, then you're covered up to that amount. So, yeah, short answer is yes, it usually is covered. Okay. Um, and uh, again, just into different types of uh, policies for homeowners. So clearly condos are in a separate category all by themselves. Yeah. And then we've talked a little bit about single family private homes. Yeah. In between those two categories, of course, Josh, are townhouses. Yeah. Are they dealt with in the same way as condos or are there special considerations for living in a townhouse? Townhouses are actually uh, written underneath condo policies because they're often a part of a strata. Sure. So, yeah. Um, you know, you should always be, again, the main concern would be making sure that those strata deductibles and limits are actually being met within your policy. So townhouses fit the exact same role, unless it's something like a duplex where it's only one building and it's a duplex and right. you share it with the, you know, next door neighbor. Mm-hmm. That's a different situation. But other than that, you're just following condo rules. Okay. So I'm looking at your website again. And the website again, friends, is sure. Alteri, A-L-T-E-R-I, Alteri.ca. So you look under home and it's got homeowners, condominium, tenants. We've talked about all three. And then there's mortgage. Now, <laughs> obviously, you need mortgage uh, insurance if you're yeah. going to hold a mortgage. Right. But when one goes, and we've, Angela Calla is our, our favorite mortgage broker, and she's on the program a awesome. lot. And we've, it's never come up, though. We've never talked about mortgage insurance. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, mortgage insurance basically just uh, is an insurance policy on the lives of the people that are uh, leaned against for the mortgage. So, uh, you know, John Doe and Jane Smith uh, bought a property mm-hmm. and their mortgage is a million dollars. The bank needs to make sure that, that uh, those two people are insured in case uh, they're removed from the situation so the mortgage can be paid out. Right. Now, doesn't the mortgage company have a rider in its, it's a deal that includes an automatic sort of insurance coverage? Or in 2019, has the ground changed a little bit, Josh, and we have to buy it separately? No, absolutely. The banks can offer it. Uh, the mortgage brokers can offer it. It's very accessible. Just I think that, uh, you know, going back to the, you know, everything that's going on in the landscape of Vancouver, the consumers just want options now. Sure. And so when, when we offer products, we make sure that we can do it right and we make sure that we can do a lot of them so that, you know, consumers have options that way. Okay. Well, we've certainly piqued the curiosity of more than a few consumers this afternoon already. (laughs) We need to pause for the news in a couple of seconds. But before we do that, a couple of things, not the least of which is I'm going to open up the phone lines. You're game for a few calls this afternoon. You're you're the insurance pro here. and (laughs) uh, It's a subject subject that always provokes calls and questions. You know, why not cover this? Or I tried to get that. And so we'll see what happens. 604-280-9898. If you'd like to jump in and speak to our guest, Josh Krenis of Alteri Insurance, 604-280-9898, and including options that we're going to talk about when we come back after the news. We're going to move to car insurance and what you can and can't do working around ICBC. Stay with us. This is Vancouver Consumer. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox in studio with Josh Krennis, president and CEO of Alteri Insurance. And we're talking about, well, a whole spectrum of insurance products and policies and all the rest of it. And we did open our phone lines as well for our listeners to join the conversation with some comments or some questions. The number to join us is 604-280-9898. And uh, we'll start in Cultus Lake. Arlene, hello. Hi, good afternoon on this wonderful day. It is a lovely day. What can we do for you today, Arlene? 
Um, I'm just wondering, um, do homeowners need um, special insurance coverage if they're running vacation rentals? And also, if a tree falls on your house, should the insurance company not just pay for the removal of the tree from the house, but also the removal of the debris from the yard? Wow, two completely separate yeah, questions. Yeah, Which one separate. do you want to take first, Josh? <laughs> I'll do them in order. I can start with the Airbnb short-term rentals Okay, good, for sure. good, good. I haven't got that to that yet. Arlene, thank you for getting to that topic. It's on my list, and you beat me by about three <laughs> items. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so Arlene, the the, the answer is uh, yes. It's treated very differently when the tenants who are coming into your home are short-term. Uh, so regardless of who who's actually supplying it, whether it be Airbnb or you have a different property manager helping you get those tenants in there, it is treated differently just from a risk perspective because the insurance company doesn't know who is coming and going. Whereas uh, if you, the owner, are living in there um, – or it's just a one long-term tenant. That's right. One person who's going to be there exactly. for the next five years. Yeah. Different risk category. That's right? right. And they can, you know, they have a better idea of history on that demographic, their age, their sex, their blah, sure. blah, blah. So, um, yes. But with a constant is, turnover, almost hotel-type turnover, yeah. you, you can't factor a risk into that, it is, can you? The liability is a lot higher for the insurance company, for sure. So, so. I'm, are the premiums correspondingly higher, Josh? Yeah. Uh, Yes and no. Uh, you know, you have to, you just have to go to specialty carriers. So what I mean by that is people who represent insurance companies in Vancouver that that uh, supply uh, insurance companies that take greater risk. So they're if they're a bigger insurance company like Lloyd's of London, mm-hmm. who's represented in Vancouver, um, not necessarily because they're so large and they have such a portfolio of these Airbnbs that no, it's not doesn't necessarily it's going to be higher. Ah, okay, but it is again mandatory if you decided to dedicate a room or a portion of your house. To a little cash flow generator, a bit of a <laughs> an income earner, then uh, that changes the status of your house, both at City Hall here in Vancouver, if you happen to live in the yeah. city, and in the eyes of the homeowner's insurance policy company that you have. Uh, if you have a homeowner's insurance package yeah. and you decide to become an Airbnb person, yeah. that homeowner's package isn't going to cut it, is it? No, it's it would definitely be void. Okay. Yeah. So you, it's up to the obligation. And again, I'm just picking this up. And thanks, Arlene, for opening this door. Um, the obligation, therefore, if you're going to move into the B&B racket, yeah. the Airbnb racket, yeah. is to inform your company of said move because the responsibility is yours. They, it's, they don't know. Nope. They, they don't have people knocking on doors like nope. maybe City Hall wants to. <laughs> is, so is this legit or what's going on? <laughs> no, for sure. I mean, they have they no only, time for that. So it's, it's on your shoulders, you tell them, right? right? Yeah, they only know what you put on the application and what you tell them. So, you know, us as brokers have to represent uh, what the property is actually doing. And if it is turning in, I mean, half, sometimes partway through, people change their property from their primary to renting it out or sure. a few rooms out or and that changes the policy for sure. Interesting. Now Arlene also brought up the matter and this has happened especially over this past winter with some of those wild windstorms we had. The whole matter of debris. Yes. A damage to property caused by the elements. Right. Is that an act of God? How does the insurance agent a business look at something like a tree falling on your house? Right. So there's well there's two answers to that. There's two different policies. So you can do comprehensive or broad, which is the short answer comprehensive would cover something like that due to the elements so like wind hail fire all that kind of stuff okay um so if the tree fell down and you had a comprehensive policy the insurance company would remove the tree and they'd fix the house and you know so they would do both as Ar- arlene seemed to think they were going to do one or the other right yeah i hope uh, that's 
I hope that's not bad news. <laughs> you know, I hope that's just information she takes. But uh, most of the time, yeah, they'll they'll cover both if you have the right policy for sure. Okay, interesting stuff. And and I'm glad, Arlene. Thank you for the call, Arlene. Good to hear from you yes. this afternoon. 604-280-9898. If you, like Arlene, have some questions regarding insurance matters, uh, please jump in. We'd, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, let's move to cars and car insurance. Always a contentious issue yes. in the land of ICBC, officially mandated government insurance. So let's let's go through the basics again, Josh, if you would, please. What does the law require British Columbia drivers to absolutely do through ICBC? Right. So in ICBC, you have to um, get third-party liability for 200000 And that's all you have to get. And when you do that through ICBC, that's just registering your car, getting the plates, and it comes with 200000 of third-party liability. That's all you have to have? That's it. You don't need collision. You don't need comprehensive. You don't need more than 200000 You just need that. Do most British Columbians understand that? No. I, I agree. I think, and Amanda's nodding here from the offices and nodding as well, <laughs> because I think most of us assume that ICBC has a, a, a chokehold on car insurance and everything goes through them except kind of weird little nuancey things. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just wrong, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's wrong. Um, and I think that's exactly what it comes down to is just education. People don't know that there's another option. So um, what then? Okay, so my insurance is going to come up again in September, Josh. They're yeah. going to send me all the paperwork. Yeah. And it's going to be a tab, and it's going to be more than I want to pay. <laughs> yeah. uh, guaranteed this year, especially. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So what are my options when I get that paperwork? I, I'm, I, I can take this to a private broker like you at Altair Insurance and say, what can you do for me? Absolutely. I mean, a lot of... Uh, Obviously, people that do their auto insurance with Alteri is people that have chosen to just renew the. It's called the basic, and the basic is uh, two hundred thousand third party liability. The optional portion is everything above and beyond that. So we sell optional, as as do many other brokers in the city that don't have uh, ICBC auto plan licenses. Even when you have an auto plan license to sell ICBC, a lot of them will still you know, pull third-party options for you, but it's just so easy. I mean, you're doing your insurance anyway. Sure, yeah. Tack on the extra ICBC stuff, and you're good to go. Well, it's it's it's. it's we tend to uh, base because, you know, we, we're the people who uh, click agree. We don't read the four pages of no, fine print. Sure. We just click agree. Exactly. So this is the equivalent yeah. of clicking agree <laughs> no, exactly. on a contract, I mean, it, it takes work on the consumer end because you have to go to your broker, renew, and then stop them from doing anything else and either ask them about another option and or come to somebody like us and, and do it uh, separately. So you'll have two policies for one car. Okay. Kevin in Vancouver, we'll get to your call in just a second, but one more question first from me, and that's about being the, the, the negative side, the downside of private coverage insurance is that unlike ICBC, who is by law required to insure you, right. a <laughs> private insurer who doesn't like your driving habits or particularly collection of speeding tickets can suddenly out of the blue cut you off. Right. You can be dropped just like a, a sack of spuds. Right. <laughs> uh, no no excuse necessary. That's it. It's over. Yeah. So how do you dodge that bullet? Well, it's a good question. There are uh, you know, insurers uh, such as Intact and Family and, and these kind of companies that will do the auto insurance for your uh, optional portion. But you do have to meet their underwriting requirements. Okay. So if, you know, if you're a male under 25, it just ain't going to happen. Sure. Uh, that's simple. Uh, if you're a good driver um, and you have a good long history, then it's very advantageous for you to do it. But it, like in provinces in Alberta where they can you know, drop you if they don't like you, um, 
there are funds put aside for uh, drivers that can't get insured. Oh, I see. So uh, you're just not right out of luck then. You may pay through the nose, but at least you can drive. Which you will. But yeah, you, which you can drive. Um, in BC, it's, you know, it's our fund is ICBC. So if no one else will insure you, you just go back to ICBC and get it done. Interesting stuff. Now let's get back to the phones. Kevin in Vancouver, thank you for waiting. Good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, just a quick question regarding, uh, let's say you've got somebody in your home, they're doing some work, um, uh, you know, they're painting or uh, plumbing, etc. A tradesperson, uh, right? Yeah, a tradesperson. They've got uh, liability insurance, things like that. If they um, if they hit a pipe and you flood the uh, flood the living room or whatever it may be, break a table, right? Um, wh- how does that work? Do you just uh, go after their insurance? Is it your home insurance? What normally happens? Good question, Kevin. Very good question. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, generally speaking, yes, your your general contractor will have their own. Uh, commercial general liability policy in place, which would cover something like that for you to go after. Uh, From a homeowner's perspective, uh, you should always, when you're doing renovations of any nature that is, you know, electrical, plumbing, heat, what have you, you're going to want to take out something called a builder's risk policy. Uh, And you can have your contractor pay for it if you want, uh, but it is something that as a homeowner, you should just mandate yourself because it covers things uh, that Kevin's talking about. And it's, it's a, it doesn't sound very expensive, and b, it sounds uh, to to cover a quite limited period of time. Oh yeah, very much so. So it's usually like a four week minimum up to. I mean, I've I've seen four week policies, you know, up to twelve month policies, kind of things. So. Does that help, Kevin? Uh, and and also, it's a great reminder. Uh, that if you're interviewing people to it's renovation season, come on, they're knocking on doors, they're looking for work. <laughs> yeah. And you know, if you're if you're interviewing a tradesperson yep. to do some work on your home, it's a perfectly fair ball question to say, do you carry liability insurance? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that should be one of your check marks before you hire them. I agree. Okay. Again, thank you, Kevin, for that important reminder. Uh, B and Coquitlam, hello. Hi. I just got my renewal reminder from ICBC. Okay. And it says basic insurance includes $200,000 of third-party liability, 300000 accident benefits, hit-and-run protection for you and your passengers, and underinsured motorist protection mm-hmm. to $1 million. Right. Do I have to get all that from ICBC? It's a good question. So those are additional benefits built into your third-party liability basic portion with ICBC. So what you're seeing on there under your basic portion is all included on your basic premium. Including so, the ump, the uninsured including, motorist? Including the ump. Okay. So you don't, That's a huge and super important yeah, one. Very, very important. Right. Yeah. So when I'm talking about comprehensive portion or optional portion, I'm right. talking about collision, comprehensive an additional third-party liability and up. Okay, I've got that privately. Okay, thank you. Yeah, okay, you so go. we sorted it out for you then, B. <laughs> okay. All right, great. Thank you very much. Good to hear from you this afternoon as uh, we go back to uh, Surrey. Nigel, hello. Hi. Can I buy surety bond, or they are also called performance bonds, and they are normally available from insurance agents? Do you sell them? Uh, yes, we sell surety bonds at our office. What's okay. a surety bond? So a surety bond is something that's uh, placed usually for contractors to make sure that they're financially sound to complete work. Ah, I'd like to know what, so uh, that's that's the next step beyond the contractor packing the proper liability insurance to begin with. It's funny, yeah. Bonds are interesting, uh, interesting animal. They're not they're not actually handled inside insurance companies by insurance underwriters. It's a different division, so it's not even really seen as insurance. It's more of like a due diligence process that uh, you're you're paying for essentially. 
Okay, you talked also at the beginning of the show, which seems quite a while ago now, <laughs> about uh, the, the activity. You, were, you surprised me by saying that you and your team at Altaria Insurance spend a lot of time talking to tenants and trying to persuade those people to take tenants' uh, insurance packages. And you also said you spend a fair bit of time on uh, general liability, commercial business insurance packages yes, as well. Yes, absolutely, yeah, for sure. And. Um, is uh, again uh, is this a mandated thing if you run a business a small business of any type chances are you've received some kind of financing to get you up sure. and running yeah absolutely is, is receiving the financing uh, is there a contingency attached to it that you've got to have commercial liability insurance or the money dries up uh well usually if it's from a you know a third-party investor most likely they would say uh, you know we need to have insurance on what's going on well, here sure. but a lot of the calls that come through our and clients that come through our door would would come to us because of landlords it actually funny enough goes back to landlords because you know these office towers that are leasing space sure um they want proof of insurance for the company so they want a you know like business insurance policy which is essentially a cgl policy uh which covers uh tenants legal liability it's part of the package so that would be like a majority of of the people that we see but putting that aside uh the corporation should have um should definitely have liability insurance in place yeah for per again property damage and uh, bodily injury Josh Krannis, a, a, a really surprisingly swift visit for you today. Uh, wonderful <laughs> yeah. participation from our listeners. Thank you very much for your calls. Really good calls on, uh, on, a, on a wide range of topics that uh, really allowed you to, to, to talk about the company and all the, all the good work you're yeah, doing. I appreciate it. Uh, well, thanks for coming by. It was great to meet you. Yeah, thank you for having and me. And we'll have to, Amanda, get this guy organized. We'll get him back here. The, the callers really <laughs> enjoyed Josh this afternoon. Thanks <laughs> yeah. very much. Thank you so much. Alteri.ca, A-L-T. E-R-I, Alteri.ca, is Alteri Insurance website here in Vancouver. And we're back after this. And once again, our thanks to Josh Krennis, President and CEO of Alteri Insurance, for a very informative visit. And thanks for your calls to Excellent Round. Next weekend, the world-class dentist from BC Perio will be back, as will John Carlson with another Vancouver real estate update. Time now for Dooley Noted, and this time around, our producer Ben Dooley wants to know about a link between gaming and gambling. Thanks, Sterling. A new study from UBC highlights a link between an increasingly popular feature of today's hottest video games and taking risks at the casino. Loot boxes are randomly generated prizes that can be purchased within a game. Gamers were asked to assess themselves based on statements such as, I frequently play games longer than I intend to so I can earn loot boxes, or I have bought more loot boxes after failing to receive valuable items. Researchers conducted two studies. The first found that 15% of gamers said they spent more than 3 hours per week specifically to earn loot boxes, and 5% spent more than 6 hours per week. In the second study, 15% reported spending 3 or more hours a week, and around 6% spent more than 6 hours per week. Overall, the study found that 79% of people surveyed agreed that loot boxes feel like betting, while 86% agree that loot boxes are a form of gambling. Here's Gabriel Brooks of the UBC Center for Gambling Research. The fact that there are associations with measures of gambling does indicate that there is some overlap 
and this overlap needs to be further explored to determine what type of regulation, if any, is warranted. According to the study, about 90% of participants reported that they had opened a loot box in a video game, and more than half of them reported spending money on them. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Thank you, Ben. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before we go. The Wall Street Journal reported yesterday that Facebook plans a cryptocurrency-based payment system that it could launch for billions of users worldwide. The system would use a digital coin, similar to Bitcoin, but different in that Facebook would aim to keep the coin's value stable. Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies have been susceptible to wild fluctuations in value. It could reportedly undermine credit cards by sidestepping the processing fees that generate a lot of their revenue. The journal report cited unidentified people familiar with the matter and saying Facebook is recruiting dozens of financial firms and online merchants to launch this network. Facebook's plans may include ways to financially reward users who interact with ads or other features. Facebook says only that it is exploring many different applications for cryptocurrency technology. So, just as Facebook faces world wide criticism for its lack of security, it decides to print its own money. Clearly, this is a story we will watch closely. And as of this Wednesday, May 1st, the annual water restrictions have kicked in around Metro Vancouver. Stage 1 conditions now in effect and will be until mid-October. Homeowners can water our lawns two mornings a week with Wednesdays and Saturdays for even-numbered properties, Sundays and Thursdays for odd-numbered addresses. Meanwhile, watering trees, shrubs and flowers is limited only to mornings and only while using a sprinkler. Metro Vancouver says an hour of rain or watering per week is all your lawn actually needs to stay green and healthy and a recent check of local reservoir levels show they're slightly below average for this time of year but are expected to be at 100 percent by next month and grouse mountain announced the grouse grind mother nature stairmaster open yesterday morning at 6 15 for the 2019 season metro vancouver has completed off-season maintenance work on the famous trail in grouse mountain park including rock scaling danger tree removal and general repairs the trail offers an intense upward climb in the mountainside the elevation gained 2800 feet it takes the average hiker about an hour and a half to complete the trail and there are 2830 stairs on the mother nature stairmaster the grouse grind hunkers come in all shapes and sizes they say at least 150,000 people will visit and do the grouse grind this summer Those are some of this week's leading consumer stories, and that is our show for this week, produced by Ben Dooley and Andrew Ferreira. Feedback to sterling at cknw.com, or you can tweet us at VanConsumer. I'm Sterling Fox, inviting you to join us again next Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock for another round of Vancouver Consumer, right here on 980 CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.